The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. I am in the midst of a series titled Prosperity's Ten Commandments, which is based upon a book of the same title by Georgiana Tree West. And I think it's important. Oh, that was my music again. I think it's important that everybody who is following along with this series actually get the book and follow along because obviously, again, I'm not covering the book line by line. Uh, before I start, I hope, hopefully for those who are in the United States of America and who celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday, hope you had a good holiday, ate some good food, saw family, you know, et cetera, and was able, you know, to have a good time. I think it's important to be reminded of the things that matter the most to people. And I also realize that some people don't have the circumstances currently that make the holiday season necessarily happy. So what I want to say to everyone who might be in a situation where they don't consider the situation to be happy, per se, that happiness is an inside job. And it's important to recognize it, that you get to choose. And if people, whether they're family, friends or whoever, uh, people who come into your experience who are not necessarily in divine order and harmony, you have a right to choose if you want to be around those people or not. You have a right to choose what you desire to have in your experience or not. And you have the right to decide when you don't want something to be in your space, behaviors, situation, circumstance, or whatever. So, my suggestion is, and I don't know who this is for, but I'm just going to say it anyway because it's coming up and coming out. Always own the responsibility for your own happiness. Because in life, there will always be reasons to be angry, to be frustrated, to be fearful, to be judgmental, to be anxious, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There will always be something popping up on a day-to-day basis that, if allowed, will take you away from your focus, will take you away from your work towards your dream. More importantly, it'll take you out of your state of happiness. Again, if you allow it, you know, there are always things. There are always people stuff. There's always something going on in life. It's the variety of life. It's not good or bad. It just is. And many times the reason why we can't work through situations because we haven't learned how to accept that that we give meaning to our lives. We do solely. No one experiences life except 
through their own lens. That's why you can have people in the same household and have different experiences. You can have children raised by the exact same set of parents or parent, and they'll have different experiences. That's why you can have people in the same workplace or school, and they'll have different experiences. That's why a person can be in the same wonderful situation while somebody else says it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. You can have people that are on the same team and they experience two totally different experiences. Why? Because we give meaning to life. It doesn't mean anything until I give it meaning. For me, and my meaning, the meanings rather that I give a thing and the meanings that you give a thing are solely based on what I believe and what you believe. And we create together when we have collective beliefs. Things we accept is true. And we create the reality of those collective beliefs over and over and over again. So a, f- a family is a collective belief. A workspace is a collective belief. A team is a collective belief. A neighborhood is a collective belief. A city, a state, a county, a nation, etc. collective beliefs. You know, people have collective beliefs around gender. People have collective beliefs around religion. People have collective beliefs around economics. People have collective beliefs around race. And again, inside and out. In other words, how do people perceive themselves and then how other people perceive them. And when all those things mix together, we have collective beliefs that we express as life. Now, here's the here's the, the beauty of it. It doesn't make a difference what other people believe. The question comes into place, what do you believe about yourself? And if you believe that you have a right to choose happiness, regardless of what's going on, then happy you will be. And I know some people will say, well, that's just too simple. Or, you know, there are tragedies in life. People get sick. People make their transition. You know, obstacles happen. Tragedies happen. Absolutely. That's all factual. And it's all meaning. Because you're not upset about every tragedy. You're not upset about every person on the planet getting sick. You're not upset about every person on the planet making their transition. You only get upset about it when it means something to you. You're only afraid when it means something to you. You're only anxious or nervous when it means something to you. And if it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't matter. It literally won't matter. There's no other way to say it. It literally won't matter. So so just think about it from that standpoint. Just think about it from that standpoint that you have the possibility of creating, you have the capacity rather, to create the possibility of happiness and peace in the midst of the storm. And sometimes that happiness and peace is created by you creating your own standards and expectations. And then when when people cross them, you address it. Not to fight. Not to be wrestling outside in the snow if you're in a cold area like Chicago. But from a standpoint of people understanding. 
like, yeah, this is the line. And if we're gonna if we're gonna be in alignment, this is this is what I need in this. And if you can't agree with how this needs to work for me, man, that's okay. I love and bless you and I keep it moving. Because I always tell people that my personal motto is why should I have to have a negative experience for you to have a positive one? I refuse to devalue myself. I refuse to walk into situations that I don't agree with. I refuse to have people doing things around me that I don't agree with personally. Not because I think it's bad or wrong. It's just because I don't want it around me. I don't want you to do that around me. I don't want to see it. Some cases, I don't want to smell it or whatever. And I, so if it's important to recognize your own spiritual independence. So let's get to the book because, you know, feel one of those um, shows where I might go off on a, a, an hour long tangent. I don't want to do that, but I, hopefully that helps someone. And as you listen to it, recognize where you feel powerless. And you might not call it powerlessness. You might just consider it frustration, fear, anger, or whatever. But I'm going to say that you're functioning outside of your spiritual power, mastery, authority, and dominion. Because the moment you give a person or a situation the right or the authority to take you out of the state of mind you desire to be in, take you off of your focus and your concentration, pull your attention away from what you want to produce in life, to be in a different type of emotional and mental state, in my opinion, that's giving up your power. And no one is worth you getting giving away your power. So what that looks like in real time for me is recognizing when you've given up your power and then choosing to get back in alignment and figuring out what do you need to do and how do you get back in alignment do you listen to music? Do you go for a long walk? Do you exercise? Do you talk it out? Do you read? Do you do whatever? You get to decide. You get to decide. Do you meditate? Do you go to group prayer? Do you read? I mean, you know, people do different things. But you have to decide and figure out how do I get myself to the point where I recalibrate quickly back to my power. Because that's key. The quicker you can get yourself back into alignment with, with truth, with the presence and power of God as it works in you, the sooner you can get your mind regulated the, the sooner you can get your mind renewed 
and refocused, the quicker you can get back into your power. All right, so I was counseling one-on-one. So today we're doing the seventh commandment in the book, Prosperity's Ten Commandments, and the title is You Shall Not Abase Your Wealth to Idle or Evil Uses. This comes from You Shall Not Commit Adultery from Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Now, the author goes into a lot of stuff in the first couple of pages of this book where it seems as though she's talking a lot about being mindful of how you use your body and get how you, you know, get caught up in, you know, sense appetites, as she would say it, which is, you know, language that I think sometimes is driven around conversations around sexuality. Uh, I don't really want to get into that because this, I'm teaching this because of the prosperity lessons. Only thing I will say about it is the key that I think that spiritual teachers throughout the ages have tried to teach people as it pertains to whether it's sexual appetite or the appetites that people indulge in physically is when it becomes, when something becomes an overriding factor to, to your judgment and your wisdom, then you have to be really careful about it. You have to be really careful really careful um, because anything that drives you to do something that your logical thinking, rational, creative mind says, uh, I'm not so sure about this, you might want to reevaluate because if it feels, you know, people used to say if it feels good, do it. No. Does it feel right? Does it feel right? Does it feel like it affirms your personal power, your choice? Uh, does it harm other people? Does it enhance or violate your own integrity? Does it pull you in a direction in life that you don't want to go? So always be mindful of it. You know, I don't, I don't like getting into judgments about what people do or don't do. What I will say is there are things that work for what you say you want out of life. And then there are things that don't work for what you say out of you want out of life. If, if you, if, if you're a married person and you want a, a holistic, whatever relationship with your spouse and you have agreed upon things, when you violate those things, then you're saying you don't want that. You're saying that you're willing to risk what you say you want to, to take care of whatever it is that you want. I'm not just talking about, you know, adultery. I'm talking about, you know, people who have a, other addictions that, or, or habits that potentially sacrifice the relationships that they're in. It's just something to think about. It's just something to think about, you know? So anyway, back to the book. So, on the, on the page 90, it says the word adultery comes from the same root as the word adulterate, which, which according to Webster means to corrupt, debase, or make impure by the addition of a foreign or inferior substance. So when you adulterate something, you're making something inferior. He goes on to say, uh, next paragraph. No, let me just deal with that paragraph. Later in that paragraph, it says, adultery in its deeper sense is the act of making impure or of weakening or rendering harmful by mixing something of a base or foreign nature. So anytime you put something into something, 
that doesn't belong, you adulterate it, you weaken it, you debase it, you harm it. All right. Next paragraph. He uh, says he drove talking about Jesus. He drove home the lesson that all impure action is but the manifestation of impure thoughts. So when you find yourself out of alignment and doing things that are out of alignment with the truth of God in you, always know that it's that there are thoughts and feelings which create the beliefs that are driving these behaviors. And they have leverage. Why do they have leverage? Because if nothing else, you know, you get some type of payoff, some type of high, some type of satisfaction from doing it. If somebody does something that they know they shouldn't be doing, you always need to ask yourself, what's the payoff? Because people have different things that help them get their high. Everything out of quote unquote drug like cocaine or heroin. Everybody does things for the reasons they do them. So when you see somebody that is doing something, for instance, you know, you you can have some man or woman who who used to get a lot of attention and now they don't. It, you know, and they find somebody who gives them the attention based upon their physicality or based upon their humor or based upon their whatever. So they might be willing to be in that relationship that they shouldn't be in on the side of their marriage because they're getting the attention they need. It has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with, you know, being, um, you know, mean-spirited. It's their payoff. Some people's payoff is power. Some people's payoff is manipulation. Some people's payoff is is they allow things to go on because they want to fit in. So some people don't like to rock the boat. So things are going on around them and they're not addressing it. Why? They don't like to rock the boat. That's their payoff. They think they they, they, they don't want to be seen or they don't they don't want things to change so much that people got to put attention on them and they're required to make some hard choices. When you start looking at politicians, religious leaders, businesses, etc., ask yourself, what's the payoff? Have you ever had that person that has ever been around you, whether family or old friend, hopefully they're not around you on a daily basis, that you know that sooner or later the hustle is coming out of their mouths? You can hang out, laugh, joke. But sooner or later, they'll pull it. Why? Because that's what they do. Because that's what they do. All right, back to the book. So, page 91. You shall not abase your wealth to idle evil uses. The author says, money is an outer form of spiritual substance. Like all forms, it has only the life and power of the divine idea that animates it. The animating idea in money is supply. Money is a medium of exchange used in modern civilization for the supplying of material needs. When we awaken to the truth that God is the source of supply, we recognize money as a symbol of God's abundance. Now, notice, God is the source Money is a form of God's supply, 
spiritual substance. Therefore, money is a symbol of God's abundance. So it all comes from God. You know, religious folks have such hangups around money, and it's almost hilarious. But, you know, we have to be mindful that, uh, you know, we have to be mindful that money is neutral. It will work in the hands of someone that is exceptionally righteous. And it will work in the hands of somebody who takes despicable actions. It's a medium of exchange. It's a medium of exchange. That's it. So, but but here's what's really important. Since it's a symbol of God's abundance, there should be no reason why we shouldn't have more than enough to take care of the things we need to have. But here's the thing. Ask yourself this honest question. Am I a good steward of God's abundance? Am I a good steward of God's abundance? In other words, do I handle my own money in divine order? Am I impulsive or do I plan? Do I have a budget? Do I strategize? Do I make smart and wise decisions on how I utilize my money? Or am I impulsive, wasteful, and I look up and I wonder, where did this five or six hundred extra dollars go when you check your banking statement? And then you look on it and you see you've just been in the streets leaking $10 here, $15 there, $12 here, $8 there, etc. So your money's never going where you want it to go. Again, money is an outer form of spiritual substance. But are you a good steward of God's abundance? Many times, organizations are falling because they're not good stewards of God's abundance. And this was especially seen in in 2008 when the economy crashed under uh, uh, President George W. Bush because it was companies that were not following divine order and wisdom when it came to their money. And their resources. And what ended up happening? The government had to bail out the economy. But but how many hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs? Now here's the thing. People could say, well, those decisions were made above me. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. And any expectation that doesn't include let me make sure that I got my own stuff together so if an emergency happens is not wise in my opinion you can say well I'm barely making it I get that but that don't mean you can't have a plan and start executing that plan Uh, I was talking uh, to a guy uh, who I know who is quite wealthy 
um, in Chicago. And he was just talking about how for several years, hear me, not for one day, not for one week, not for three months, for several years, he, he brought his lunch from home, rice and beans every day because he decided he was going to put for several years, not one or two years, several years, he was going to put every dollar that he was he was spending for lunch in a year into investments in the stock market. Now, that money adds up. If you just sit and think about how much money potentially you spend in lunch or breakfast, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's and Burger King and et cetera, whatever you do, not to mention the gas and other things that go along with sometimes leaving work and driving to go get it and whatever, et cetera. He just decided, I'm going to put every dollar. His money wasn't idle. It wasn't being wasted. That's what I'm trying to get across. This is an African-American man on the south side of Chicago who decided, I'm going to be wealthy. And he couldn't figure out where he could get the extra money from. So he decided to eat rice and beans every day for years for lunch. To eat at home for breakfast and dinner as often as he could until he could start having the compound interest of building wealth. Some people take second jobs or weekend jobs or whatever. Figure out what you need to do to give yourself a head start. But you got to give yourself a head start. So. Uh, we're coming up on our first break, or only break, rather. I keep saying first break because my brain is conditioned to the old format. So it's time for us to come up for our break. So when we get back, we're going to get into the details of how you don't allow your money to be idle because it has to be in circulation and use the divine order. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you. To continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Reverend Ogan Holder speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts on Living an Abundant Life. Examine your life, whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had. Realize that you 
are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we got to get in through our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times, and the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Recovery from addiction can be a lonely experience. Get help and support with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, Reverend Dan Beckett, and Spirit of Recovery every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Welcome to a place where spirituality and recovery meet. Each week, you'll hear stories and topics that are important to the recovery community. Tune in for some lively conversation and join in with your questions and comments. Nearly 21 million people struggle with addiction in America. Reach out and join us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. All right, we're going to go directly to... Uh, page 94. I'm jumping over a few things, but I just think that, uh, you know what? I'm going to jump back to page 93 because I think this is so good that I almost went past it. All right. He She talks about some of the things that happen when our minds are not in alignment with truth as it comes to money. Starts off by saying, oh, by repeating the the text from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 but remember the Lord your God for is he who gives you the power to get wealth now before I start reading page 93 I almost forgot my script that I always say remember that this show along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio are supported by your donations so as you freely receive freely give my request is that you go to unityonlineradio.org or unity.fm. It'll take you to the same website, which is Unity Online Radio, and click on the donate button and help support this online ministry so we can continue to support you and get this message out to the world. 
this radio show has people in the background that have to do the work. They have to produce stuff. They have to get the message out. They have to make sure the the, the podcast or where they're supposed to be or to support a website, all this stuff that has to happen in the background for you to be able to have instant access to this information. So again, as you freely receive, freely give, as I've said before, the hosts are not paid to do these shows. We get, we do this work out of the kindness of our hearts because we believe in your transformation. This is truly a ministry and even your donations don't come to us. They come to support what needs to happen to make sure that the message gets out. And I, you know, I don't know if I'm the only host saying this, but I think it's important for people to understand. Now, I'm not saying that we should or shouldn't get paid. You know, I'll, you know I'm never going to turn down an honest, earned dollar. But I want people to understand that this ministry really is a true service. Next thing, this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you go to the Facebook page, that you like it, that you write a positive review for it, give it a five-star rating as well. Also, the show is on iPod iTunes podcast and on Stitcher, which is an Android podcast app. My request yet again is that you go to Stitcher or iTunes podcast, write a five-star, give it a five-star review and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. So thank you for your support. Uh, last but not least, uh, I do want to remind folks who, who are not last. I got a, actually a couple of more things, quick things. Uh, I'm preaching this Sunday at Christ Universal Temple. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, I would love to see you. If you listen to this show and you're normally not a, a person who attends Christ Universal Temple, make sure you come up and let me know after service. Uh, uh, last but not least, uh, I think it's really important for me to reiterate that I got some things coming down the pike as it pertains to coaching and some other things that I've been mentioning that I haven't stated yet. Um, again, trying to get it in the sweet spot to make sure. So I probably won't be launching that before 2019, but I do want to make sure that you know it's still coming down the pike. All right. Now back to the book. All right. Page 93. She wrote, often wealth is used to gratify lust for power. People become money mad and use their wealth ruthlessly in order to increase it and to satisfy their ambition. Dishonesty, misrepresentation, and trickery enter into, into their business dealings, and their wealth is used to oppress rather than to assist others. They debase their wealth, defiling God's bounty. Those who make wrong use of God's gifts defile their houses of life, either their bodies or their circumstances, etc. And through divine law, they get the consequences. Because again, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. That doesn't mean that God is punishing people. What that means is you get the natural consequences of your own thoughts, feelings, words, actions, and reactions. That's the universal law. So then she says something that's really tripped out, but I believe is actually factual. She wrote, many people cannot stand prosperity. They lead steady, useful lives until they begin to demonstrate wealth, and then they are thrown off balance. This lack of balance may become evident in wastefulness and extravagance. This idle use of money, this is idle use of money, heedless, thoughtless, 
everything in God's kingdom is to be used intelligently. You know, I love the example of of uh, it was a TV show I was watching. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but anyway, I remember it was The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock in it, and what happened on the show? He's like a sports agent or something like that, and he went to see a client who was trying to borrow money from his agent. The client was a football player in the NFL. And when he showed up to give the man, it was like a large amount of money, like 200 grand or something like that. And the man had a party going on. So he walks in, it's like 50 people in this guy's house. He's a big mansion that, you know, these football stars normally have. And when the rock asked the man, what's going on here with this party? Here's the money. Who are all these people? And the football player said, man, I don't even know. And that stuck out in my mind because when money is gone, those people will be gone. He was living a lifestyle that he believed others believed he was supposed to have. So the partying and the people that were drinking and probably doing Lord knows else what, the drinking, the drugs, and the craziness all happening in his space under his dime was wasteful use of his money. So now he's borrowing money, even though he he was a superstar player with this gigantic mansion. He was broke because he was too busy supporting a lifestyle that he really didn't want but thought he had to live up to because of the people that were around him. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. You know, it's just something to think about. So how are you, if you are, being wasteful with God's abundance? Again, am I a good steward of God's abundance? It's always a good question to ask. And when you stop and pause and ask yourself these type of questions, It allows you to reflect. I don't think people do enough reflection. And what I mean by reflection is not criticism of your life. I think people stop and they get mad and they start to seek up what's wrong. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek breakdowns. But I think many times people don't know how to honestly evaluate their lives. You know, I think that the honest evaluation of life gives you the opportunity to be able to say, mm, what worked and what didn't work in the context of what it is that I say I desire? What was harmful to myself or others and what wasn't? What demonstrated or expressed love, wisdom, understanding, prosperity, health and well-being? That makes because it doesn't make a difference what it is. If you're wasteful with what you're given, you can damage it and harm it. You know, I I can you know I often um, joke ab- uh, about a person that I knew, and I say this because I know the person well enough to where I can joke. Well, I would say to her, like literally, you're drinking like an eight pack of Pepsi every day. That's you know what you know. That you know, like you know, then I hear the conversation around it, like, but yeah, you're drinking like an eight pack of Pepsi every day. 
that can't be good. To put that level of acid and other stuff that's whatever's in Pepsi, and I'm not, this is not an anti-Pepsi thing. I'm just saying, you're drinking an 8-pack of Pepsi. I would say the same thing that if a person was drinking a 12-pack of beer every day. Or anything that, it, that could be so much that it damages people. You know, I, you know, you got to be mindful of how you use your resources. Your body is a resource. It is the, the literally the vehicle God gave you to function on this plane of existence. The spiritual you does, does not and will never need a body to function spiritually. You need a body to function physically. And when it's done, you got to put it down. If you don't take care of it, you got to put it down. Period. You know, you know. I, I can remember as a little boy uh, watching my dad smoke cigarettes. And I will never forget, I saw a commercial where or a TV show or something news. I think it was the news actually. And they were talking about all of the health issues that went along with smoking cigarettes. So I started hiding my dad's cigarettes when he would go to sleep. And I would like hide them well. And he wanted to like whoop me for doing it. But I would say the same thing to him over again. I don't want you to die. The TV says cigarettes will kill you. And I don't want my daddy to die. And I, rem- I remember saying that over and over again as a little kid. And he would get so angry because when you need the cigarette, you need the cigarette and, and all of that. And he's angry, angry. But he couldn't But he couldn't whoop me about it. Boy, stop playing with this. Boy, you better stop this. this. I, mean, I mean, oh, my God. He would holler for us, you know, go off. But he would never whoop me about it. Because the only thing I was saying was, the TV says cigarettes will kill you. And what does this have to do with money? It has to do with money from the standpoint of if you don't honor the resources that you have, when when the resources diminish or don't function the way you want them to function because you're out of order with your thinking, which allows your actions to be out of order, uh, we then want God to fix our mess. But we don't want to change. So having your money always out of order and having no plan, having no structure around your finances and then wanting God to fix it is no different than you not taking care of your body and wanting God to heal it. It's no different than you not taking care of your relationships and wanting God to fix them. It's the same thing. You know, same thing. Back to the book. All right. It goes on to say. Next, uh, it says, oh, wow, time is going past me. I didn't realize that. Uh. All Next paragraph. All nature teaches balance. Nothing is ever wasted. Nature produces most lavishly, but that which is unused in the human or the animal kingdom disintegrates and returns to the soil enriching it for the production of future harvest if we take a lesson from nature it is clear that the that balanced use of wealth demands that waste and extravagance be what eliminated in other words be mindful of how you use your money 
and make sure that you're using it for intelligent use. Back to the book again. It says, allowing wealth to be an excuse for laziness is another way of debasing it. It says, any use of wealth that hinders the soul progress is, is an idle or evil use. Now, she gives an example of a lazy young man who who didn't have access to his money. I'm going to take an alternative position than hers because uh, she's basically saying this guy was supposed to get his money he never and he didn't get it because he didn't want to do anything but chill and relax and not ever have to work again. And it would have devalued his soul, whatever. I don't know why the young man didn't have his money. I think that that's an interpretation and a meaning that she gave it, which is her prerogative. She might even knew the young man. But again, because I believe consciousness produces form, it could have been other reasons other than that because if a person decides that, okay, I made this money, so now I'm just going to go play in life, we've decided that playing in life is a bad thing. Because who's to say that in the midst of that play, that person might not discover a higher purpose. Or in the use of that play, they decide, guess what? I want to play more. Now, if the again, if the money is not being used to harm himself or someone else, then who are we to say? What is the right use for another person, another soul's use of their own resources? One of the things that I'm always mindful of is other people counting other people's dollars. You know, I I jokingly said to uh, a couple of my brothers and my uh, brother-in-law over the holiday last week that, that, you know, one one of the man laws I follow is never talk about another man's uh, wallet. In other words, I don't get into other men's money business. And I use that. I was saying it jokingly about whatever we were talking about. But I'd say that in general about all things. I'm not here to talk about what you do or don't do with your money. That's your responsibility. Now, if you ask me my opinion and I can give you some wisdom around it, I will. And if I don't know what to do, I'll say you need to go talk to somebody who's an expert in that field and and do what you need to do as far as that's concerned. But more importantly, if a person has a certain amount of wealth and they decide, okay, I want to go travel the world for a couple of years and see the sights and do the thing or whatever. Who's to say that that's not fulfilling their soul? I think that there's a part of us that says, because I'm working and grinding hard when we see somebody that is enjoying life a little bit too much, that there's something within us that pushes back against it instead of celebrating it. Wow. What it's fantastic. That a person could take some few years off and have enough resources to be able to travel the world and see the sights and go to the places and have the experiences that they want to have. Isn't that fantastic? It's fantastic because God is no respecter of person. And if one person can potentially have enough resources financially to take a few years off and just enjoy life, then I can if I wanted to. You said, well, that's not your current experience. Okay, but can it be? 
if God is no respecter of person? See, it goes back to being aware of who you are in God and who God is in you. Because again, people don't know what satisfies other people's souls. If I took my Kung Fu teacher and put Sifu, Sifu was like, you know, master or teacher in in Cantonese uh, dialect of Chinese uh, language uh, and just dropped him on a mountain near Shaolin Temple or the Wudong, or as people say, Wu-Tang, but it's Wudong Mountains. And all he would have, could have to do was just practice martial arts all day, Tai Chi, Chi Gung all day, swing his weapons and stuff all day. He would be in heaven. Other people wouldn't want that experience every day, all day. He would literally be in heaven. It was like, you know what? Just come climb the mountain and come see me when you want. I'll be training all day, every day. People want different things. Who am I to say what satisfies another person's soul or not? So I'm saying this because for those who do have the book, I want to just reiterate that it's important, even as spiritual teachers, that we're mindful that somebody else's trash is somebody else's treasure and vice versa. And while I'm trying to figure out what another person should be doing with their money, what I really should be doing is figuring out what I'm what am I doing with my money and what fulfills and satisfies my soul. Showing up how I can be responsible to support the things I believe in. How can I be more responsible for helping create the experiences I want to have with the people who are closest to me? Because guess what? If you want to go to Disney World, they won't accept your affirmation. If you want to go to Hawaii, United Airlines will not accept your prayer request. You got to have some money. You want to you you want to have fine dining? Guess what? They don't care if you memorize the beatitudes or not. You have to show up with the means of exchange that symbolizes God's abundance. That's money. That's money. It's Chicago winter right now, end of November, almost December. And there are people in Chicago right now with no heat on, with no electricity on, no water on right now. Because you can't pay your utilities in tears. They want money. So what I'm saying is be mindful. Be mindful. Be mindful. All right, back to the book. I have one other point I wanted to make. Page 97. Jesus knew that wealth is everyone's divine heritage. He knew that God is the source of all wealth and that when we realize that God's God, it should be God is the ownership. This is misspelled. And then we realize that. Realize that God is the owner. God is the ownership and ours the stewardship. And conduct ourselves accordingly. Wealth can teem with spiritual blessings. Let me go right back to the top of this. 
Jesus knew that wealth is everyone's divine heritage. That's why he could produce it on hand. We need to feed the multitudes, produce it on the spot or whatever it is. We need healings, produce it on the spot. We need to turn this water into wine, produce it on the spot. We need to we need money to pay the taxes. Peter go to the sea, pull up the first fish, it'll have a gold coin in his mouth. Now that could be literal or that could be a metaphor. It doesn't make a difference. The issue comes into play is the need was met. The need was met. Am I a good steward of God's abundance? Because it's my divine heritage to have it. The next paragraph. Wealth is a symbol of God's abundance. And as such, it is a blessing. So I think that sometimes we get so caught up in uh, promoting, I'm going to say this sensitively, I'm thinking about it because the way it was going to come out could seem judgmental and that's not my I don't want people to get lost in translation I think that we can get so caught up in the belief, religious belief that is taught the righteousness of poverty that we forgot have forgotten that it's a blessing now that doesn't mean that God is choosing some over others because that's why people push back against it well, why are these righteous people versus this, that, and other? It's many factors for the reasons why people have wealth and don't have wealth. When you start talking about nations and things of that nature, and some people are in these countries that are crazy and whatever, some people have never been taught, etc. But when you're looking upon the concept of blessing as evoking good upon a thing, and blessing as the outpicturing of the right application of, of principles, universal laws, etc., then you can look at blessings differently. It's not God choosing that some people are rich and some people are poor and some people are middle class because that type of God is not worthy of being called the most high. But when you recognize that that wealth along with everything else in life is a byproduct of states of mind and the actions that we take in alignment with those states of mind, then we can understand that it's a blessing to have the right way of thinking and that you can think yourself out of your current situation or as I say about one of my family members you can drop him in war-torn Afghanistan and in a year he's running stuff and he'll be one of the highest paid people there because some people will draw unto them and create the wealth the opportunity and the possibility in their own lives. Some people just make it happen. And you can put in the worst case scenarios and they figure it out. So again, God is no respecter of person. And this is a part of what we have to recognize as we go forward. All right. So I'm going to end with the scripture that's stated in the book. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So don't be afraid of prosperity, but keep it in motion, keep it in circulation, and be mindful and wise in your use of it. If you're not wise in your use of it, you can't dissipate it.
and you can't lose it. You know, as a fool and his money will always part. And a fool doesn't necessarily mean that it, I'm not using it in the context of an insult. I mean, when you make foolish decisions about anything, you risk what matters to you because you'll put yourself in bad situations and circumstances. So that's kind of the gist of where it is. Uh, we're wrapping up this show next week. We will cover the Eighth Commandment. You shall not seek something for nothing. This is going to be a really good one. We're going to really get into it and understand what it takes to really understand universal law at a higher level next week. So God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.